DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. Put Putman, what's up, bro? Hey, what's going on? How you been? Good. How about you? Man, it's been an interesting year. Yeah, for sure, already. <laughs> so, um, I met you, let's see, man, it's been, I don't know, four or five years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe about that long. B&I. Yeah. Some, doing some business networking. For sure. So you um you're from a small town in North Louisiana, like mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. and uh, you've made a business and been successful and done all the things, man. So I just like to chat about kind of how you got kicked off into what you're doing and how you were growing up, and we can talk about some real stuff after that. For sure. Um, so I grew up in a small town in North Louisiana. It's about five thousand people. I think it's six or seven now, and it's fluctuated, but. Um, my parents were in the janitorial uh, business, and so we did a lot of residential carpet cleaning there. And so I just enjoyed uh, interacting with people and actually getting results from what I did and you know, yeah. people being proud of you when you do what you do. And so I actually went to college after that and uh, went into sales. We moved to Dallas for about three years, and uh, I realized how much I liked what I did. I, you know, I grew up wanting to get away from it of course it was with my dad and i'm gonna get a real job and once i got that real job i wanted out um and so that's all i could think about is um you know service and so i actually bought a franchise in dallas with dalworth carpet cleaning and so we did uh, residential carpet cleaning and katrina hit in about i think it was um 05 into 05 or 06 and i really didn't know anything about the restoration business but found out um dalworth had a branch it's called dalworth restoration and so when they talked to me about what they were doing um it it sparked my interest and so in 06 um, my brother-in-law passed and so we actually moved back to shreveport to help raise his son Mm -hmm. and so i started my own restoration business and uh, actually didn't know what a dehumidifier or anything was and um went out and took one class and it was uh the wall drying academy and they had come to dallas and i took that one class and started my business and um I'm 15 years into it, and we just went back to the class two weeks ago, and I reunited with Chuck, and um, he'd been working on things for 15 years and new sciences. It's like uh, E3 drying, and so we've kind of sharpened the saw, but it just kind of came full circle from um, the start to now. And so it feels good to be reconnected with him, and then we're actually – I'm taking another group in a couple weeks back up there to train. But um, just in a nutshell, that's how I got started and where I'm at. Well, um, for a lot of people who don't know, um, can you give some context on what what – uh, restoration is. sure so we do um we do fire and water and mold restoration and so um like if a building floods pipe breaks right. uh, clean water breaks we do it for residential and commercial uh i've, I've done a lot of uh, residential um you know learning uh, the business and doing a lot of residential and but now we're into big commercial stuff as well and so um also like if uh part of a structure catches on fire we do like a soot removal we'll pack out all the contents take it to our facility where we have uh, ultrasonic cleaning and uh also we have a state license for mold and like silica like if somebody um 
tries to sand concrete not the right way um well there's it actually has a cancer uh little agent in it called silica and so we'll have to go in and we do like and then we work closely with an industrial hygienist for silica mold um sewer so they'll actually do run tests protocols we'll do the protocol and they'll come back and make sure we did our job clean it make sure it give us a seal of approval so that's um. So you got into basically just the um the cleaning service, carpet cleaning, and then it just grew from there into yeah. Into so my else. dad was in commercial um cleaning, so oil field offices, banks, yeah. courthouses, and then we did floor. You know, we always did floor work for like tile stripping and waxing, and then carpet cleaning, and then back in the eighties and nineties, they would call the carpet cleaner to if a if a house flooded because they weren't they didn't realize that it was in the walls too and so we did what you call floating carpet and so which is very bad uh (laughs) it it breaks down the back end but that's how all this started like in the 80s uh when i was real young in 90s and you would float carpet and um I saw that happening, and we did it a few times. But when I moved out to Dallas, I really uh, I saw Dalworth, which is still uh, mentors of mine, and I've, I'm real close with them. I've spent a lot of money when the, they have a supply company that we uh, buy fans, dehumidifiers, even bought a truck from them. And so, uh, but they help with technology and different things. And then when we had we did a big job in Florida this past hurricane season, uh, I reconnected. They came and on my job site, and it's yeah. pretty cool. That's um, and that's something because this past year we've had a lot of natural disasters, a few hurricanes back to back, and you know, time, hit, three Texas of them. and Louisiana, and yeah. you guys have been covered up with that. We have so for the first uh, Hurricane Laura. Um, I had a childhood pastor in my small town in Spring Hill. And when I was in high school, he was a pastor there, Methodist, and they uh, rotate a lot. So anyway, he had gone to a couple churches, but we kept in contact. And then actually he has the large church in downtown Lake Charles um, on uh, Kirkman. It's the first United Methodist Church, Lake Charles. And so this is a church that was built in 1926 and it's got a million dollar organ in it and the the roof was ripped off of one part and uh so we had to so and i talked to weldon the day before and uh the storm was coming he's like i'm just glad you're in town and so they all evacuated and when we actually spent the night in beaumont at a christus shumpert uh, and then uh, as part of their action plan, but then it hit, hit Lake Charles, so it took us seven hours to drive all the down uh, trees and telephone poles. It, mm-hmm. Man, um, next time, because uh, we got into something that I didn't ever think we were going to get out of, um, that was the most – They I've talked to linemen, and they say that was the most damage they've ever seen as yeah. far as grid goes. But anyway, we made it, and he said, just go by and check the church out. So we walked around, and it didn't, other than down trees and things, it didn't look that bad from the outside. But we saw one hall where the ceiling had fell down, and it, the, the more we looked, the roof was ripped off. And so we started there, and he was they couldn't get us in at first. And he's like, oh, yeah, we got a code, a certain door. So we got in. And it was like unbelievable the water coming in. So we were, and then it started raining shortly after. Yeah. So it felt like we were at the Alamo. Just yeah. I mean, it was coming in faster than we could suck it up. And so then once we got that kind of under control, we started looking, 
and we were hoping it was just right there and it the more we looked samuel was with me and he kept metering he's like man i don't know how to tell you this but this whole church is wet and i'm like you are kidding because like they had slate roofs and you know with uh they said it was like 200 tornadoes that spun off the hurricane and with all the slate roofs and everything i mean it was just it was wet and so then when we started and i had you know um we're in coalition of disaster responders so we've got resources and different things and so when i start making calls and this thing starts coming together uh before you know it we've got uh four descants off of diesel trucks that are running and the thing about that organ it's from it was from the uk and it's got its own uh, atmospherics that it needs to uh, maintain or the rubbers will right, and, yeah. and then and then replacing that thing would be like years and years it was like handcrafted so we had to contain it off give it its own atmospherics and then dry the rest of the church which was plaster and all these old materials and so uh it really i mean it was devastating but it was so inspiring to see how the church responded and the people of Lake Charles, everybody. But, and it was also uh, inspiring to everything that we've learned over the years that we had to apply it. We, and then just remember, uh, I'm not sure if anybody knows this, but when that storm hit, it also hit our hometown yeah. up here, Shreveport. Yeah. Yeah. So now we've got 17 jobs up here. We've got churches in Natchitoches, all this going. And we've basically uh left with most of our talent and left it with chris allen my branch manager and he managed um we told me and haynes were jokingly saying you know he's either gonna make it or tell us no thanks but um it it was and and then as soon as we get that one done florida hits and so we're still finishing up the church which we're man there's no food down there um we had to end up we were driving three hours it was only an hour drive but with the traffic it was three hours to uh port arthur and so then we a friend of ours in the restoration business had a bunk trailer Mm -hmm. where they had an 18 wheeler trailer that they make bunks uh out of and so we were sleeping in the church parking lot and then florida hits and uh i go down there and uh, this large law stuff still kind of new to us. That was our biggest job that we did with the church. So we learned, you know, and that was about 30 days. And uh, I get down there, and I'm offered two big jobs at the same time. And I couldn't – and I'm by myself, right. and I couldn't say no to either one of them. So I, I called uh, back to Lake Charles, and uh, so Samuel and uh, Randall came down right then, and we dispersed. And we they did 350 apartments, and we did uh, – uh, 68 condo units in Perdido. That's a lot, man. I, I think um, there wasn't a lot. Being that COVID was going on, like right in the middle of all that, um, I don't think there's enough exposure on the damage in those towns, like Lake Charles and stuff like that. That um, what it did to those communities and how everybody kind of come together and help. I just don't feel like we got enough exposure during those, you know, things. But it's cool to see someone that's a part of, you know, not it's your business, but on the flip side, you can, you know make a left turn real quick and run and help with disaster relief at the same time for sure and that's what that's why if you're in this business and been in a while it's just because it's perfect for me i love it um 
I, we can talk about it later, but I love doing mission work too. But it's like um, you're coming to people's rescue. And so the more yeah. we know and the more we can um, put ourselves in their shoes, the better off we can be. It, it's just it's rewarding for sure. Well, tell me, um, so – how did you realize that you would be passionate about something like this? And of course, it's like you run into a family business, you start doing that. But like, as a kid, or what did you? When did you make that transition to where you realized that you were passionate in helping others? So I don't know if um, if y'all have ever read uh, Love Languages, the Five Love Languages. Maybe that's a marriage thing, but there's, I've, heard, I've heard that mentioned. But so I really so there's so there's love languages, and once you find out yours, it's so funny. Mine's words of affirmation. Okay. So when I come, so m- me and my dad like it was in we were still at his business but it was um christmas day and somebody calls with a flooded house and we just put our dinner to the side and went and the the love you get from coming to help somebody is to me that's what fills my love tank right and so uh i knew from then and then not realizing it, going to retail mm-hmm. in Dallas and saying this this isn't for me. I realize right. now since it's something that I don't like to do, I, I know that I yeah. you know I'm passionate about it. So, um, and then you know we I was in this business probably five or six years and decided I was going to venture off into the. Was, what would you call that? The hospitality, or AKA a, a bar? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Let's talk about that real yeah. quick. How did that happen? So, basically, uh, met a friend that wanted to go in the bar business, and then I had another friend that wanted to invest, okay. and so I just hooked them up, right? Yeah. And I'm walking out, and they're like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." Especially uh, my old buddy Kyle, he's like, "No, if I'm doing it, you're doing it too." My <laughs> wife was out, you know, but I ended up doing it, and. Um, we, man, it taught me so much, and the main thing it taught me was to stick to what you're good at, yeah. um, and a lot of other things. I mean, that was probably the lowest part of my life before it was all said and done, and uh, almost cost me my marriage and things like that. But then it it really made who I am right now too. Well, uh, that's something like um, that's an interesting business, um, especially in the past year and a half now that they've been hit really hard. But yeah. you know. Um, I feel like it's funny because I didn't know we had. So just to give some context real quick, I typically give my guests alcohol or some kind of gift, and you you called me because I said, "Hey man, what do you like?" You know, I'm, I always like to bring something cool, and uh, you're like, "Man, I don't drink anymore," and you know, this is why. And I was like, "Okay, well, shit." But it's interesting because I saw we have uh, some mutual friends. Like if you're looking through social media and stuff, I'm like, "How is this guy who so seems like so such good of a guy, so straight laced, have some of these mutual friends that I know that I used to party with and stuff? Like, how does he?" know them but that makes sense you know um that but it's cool because that world is entirely different but i still respect people who are able to operate in that world and make it work for sure you know what i mean um but yeah let's talk about that a little bit so how did you when you got into that and you know you were having okay so it was kind of mixed with um with with you know kyle and ryan and how we were buying strange brew yeah but also it was one of the best venues at the time and i was in a band okay so music. and so music, music. Yeah. yeah right and so then i got to you know a good thing about it is i got to uh see some of my favorite bands they would come and play and um but other than that it, it was just um neither the bar or the musicians make what they should right and so then it turns into a cash grab mm-hmm. 
and it taught me a lot. Um, and, you know, I realized that the business I was in, it was all about the long-term relationship yep. and different things. Yep. And so it just made me appreciate it. But for the people that that do it and do it well, there's nothing re- but respect for me right. uh, because they work really hard. And um, Trey that has it now, uh, I'm just – my it breaks my heart to see they have to close and different things because he, he works – he works so hard at at uh, his craft and and that place, and it's I mean it's a booming business. Yeah. Well, I mean, so those things are. It's funny you said that because you have the um, you have people that are giving away free alcohol all night long. You know what I mean? You have people that are patting their you know, stealing from you. Basically, yeah. that's just the industry it's known for. Right. And then you can't get good talent a lot of times and when you do then you can't pay them because you have so much money going out of each door you don't know where it's going you know it's just a it's a crazy ass industry and then you can get real fired up and watch bar rescue like we did (laughs) and and we i mean we um weighed the alcohol to the ounce yeah there's always a way yep there's no there. There's always a way. And you have those career bartenders. They they know how to get around that too. For sure. Yeah. There's nothing. No matter what you set up, if you're not yeah. there with it, yeah. Well, um, since you got such a positive outlook, I'd like to talk a little bit about the alcoholism thing because, um, so many people that listen to this show or watch it, um, it's like. There's something to hang on to, whether it be if they're having an issue with that or something else. You know, if you just come in pouring out all positivity and flowers and rays of sunshine, then some people just don't take a story home with them because it don't hit home. So yeah. if you don't mind, let's, you want to talk about For that a little sure. bit? For um, sure. So, you know, I grew up in Spring Hill again, and there's nothing to do yeah. there. And so that's what we, we had a Piggly Wiggly parking lot, and it was real big in the 80s, but it was still going on when I was there. But that's what we did. And, um, we, you know, drank and that kind of thing. But once you, once I got married and, um, you know, started, well, it was, it was decent, you know, because you always justify, well, I'm, I'm only doing this, and there's right. always some yeah. somebody that's, you know, worse off than you. But it all magnified when, you know, because buying that bar was an ego thing, right? Um. For me, for me and my best friend Kyle, when we were in that thing, and so we learned all that. But so then you're, you know, there's a certain that I didn't know, but there's this certain um, thing with people that if you own a bar, then all of a sudden you got more attention, like you're the bar owner, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. And so then, you know, uh, one beer or one drink turns into more, and then, uh, you know, I got a family of two, and then, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, well, I got to go here because this guy's in town, he wants me there, this and that. Before you know it, um, I'm passing out in the office or different things, and um, it, it got. Yeah, we were we were going to California, and it took my brother in law to tell me because when you're in that, even though you're, you know, in the lowest low. Um, you don't realize how bad you really are, or I didn't. You know, you always justify well, no, it yeah, until my brother-in-law you. tells yeah, me, "Hey, man, you. you're in a bad spot." Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as he did, I, you know, but it was my, it was a whole series of 
uh, me being a yes man and not having healthy boundaries to, you know, trying to help family, which I, I still to this day love. And everybody, in, for the record, everybody in the in the bar that when the deal went bad and all that, I'm super close to today because right. well, I forgive them and mm-hmm. they forgive me. But it was all on us and our ego and different things. But um, when I got super low um, and was – you know, trying to cope instead of uh, creating boundaries and uh, sticking up for myself, I would cope with alcohol. And so, when we went to California, my wife and I, uh, we pretty much were getting divorced. Mm-hmm. And uh, all we had to do was sign. At that time, it was probably seven years. Okay. So it's been seventeen now. Okay. But um, so we're getting a divorce, and then we come home, and so. You know, the reason why I was in Shreveport, back in Shreveport from Dallas, is because my brother-in-law died that okay. I mentioned earlier. Well, he, we came back to help with his son, Colin. So Colin, at this point, um, I am having a baby girl. My my son is seven. I'm having a baby girl. And Colin needs to live with us at the time for circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so all this crashing on me. You know, I just started drinking more and things like that. And so it happened to be that uh, Colin, they had him go to a counselor. And so he went for a couple times, and then they said, well, you know, we need his his guardian or father figure to come one time so we can just get some things straight. So we went, and there was a counselor named Clint Davis. I don't know if you know him. No, I don't. All right. So um, we sat there, and it was – it kind of blew my mind. It's, and you know, uh, you're from the same parish I am. We usually look at people that go to therapy as weak. Yeah. yeah but a, that is a, the opposite. Yeah, it's a different thing, man. It's so a, so I'm like, I'll go thing. for Colin. So when I went, it it blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind how Clint was talking. And so I pulled him to the side. I said, hey, man, can I come Can I come by myself? Mm-hmm. He's like, sure. And he worked at, um, at this spot. I forgot what it was called. And so... Um, long story short, I started going to him, and then Sarah came in, and we dealt with some major issues, mm-hmm. and then our marriage, and then I knew that I had to sell the bar. So I called uh, Kyle, and he was, you know, we've been friends forever, and so he, he said, if you're selling, I'm selling. So it took us a year or so, but we got out of it. And um, right then, I went, I started going to Honduras uh, with the simple church and uh, drilled a water well mm-hmm. and um, man from that point forward I knew I had a clear vision that because um, I started getting clarity I wasn't drinking anymore right. the end of the six months was the hardest for me it wasn't two weeks or, or two months it was for some reason it was six months but once I got past that then everything started to i mean it hey it was hard and and there's still some hard times but it's the clarity that i got from it and then um then i started it started coming through my business too because for 10 years i was in the seat doing everything myself and uh then i realized that my parents were going to want to retire and as good as they were to me uh, i wanted to be able to retire and i couldn't do it that's when i hired ever uh, the business coach, um, he comes here to cohab too, and um, then he said, "You know, you got to get out of it. You got to build a team of people that can help you. Yeah. You can't do it because I, I wore a seat out of a van mm-hmm. doing it myself." And so, 
Um, but that clarity and that low spot in my life gave me drive to want more for my kids and, you know, to be um, a solid, you know, role model in their life. And if they if they do something, it's not because they saw me do it. I mean, my son was seven or eight. He's 15 now. Um, I think he can barely remember me uh, drinking. Um and so, um, and whether, you know, I, I just, they're going to make their own decisions, but I right. want to, I want to be that solid role model, mm-hmm. you know, and, and two, it makes my story better that I, I was wild. I, yeah. I did do the wild things and, and, um, I don't judge anybody or, or anything. That's why you see all my mix of friends yeah. because the, the most special things will come out of the people that you've. Uh, have the least faith in. Of course, I agree. I mean, I think yeah, you, and you know that. Yeah, I mean, you have like, like that lifestyle. <clears throat> there's some people that live in it, and that's what they come home and talk about. That's what they live for on the weekend. They don't have any other inspiration, or they don't have any other goals. And so, if you do, and you get into that, you know, network of people, it kind of drags, it pulls you back, you know. And and not only that, I mean, if you're having, you know issues with you know drinking too much not being able to, to focus on the family at home or your business then you you know this is one of those things it's each to their own but i feel like i went through a similar transition when i got from the oil and gas industry into this business is i was doing a lot of you know people pleasing and, and politicking sure. and, and uh taking guys out to drink and hang out you know stuff like that and um hanging out with people that that's all they live to do but then i this kind of woke me up because everything was on my back my back at this point i have to create it i have to drive it and i have to make it you know successful mm-hmm. and um i felt those type of people weighing me back you know weighing me down basically and um yeah and, it's like and, a, and the people do but also it's like the whole mindset so i, mean, I had goals it's, it's what you it's what yeah. an environment you're it's right not, it's not i'm not blaming people for it no it's, no no I'm, but i'm living in that environment yeah and it kind of just consumes you yeah you know? because when you're hanging out with them and then their goals become yours or or, or lack of goals if yeah. you will yeah. uh for sure but also like um I was chasing something that I never was going to catch. It was exactly. like I is I was trying to numb the pain and cope with it that way, um, and it just it, it makes it worse. Yeah. Well, um, so you said and being able to come out of that. So and here's another thing that's funny because you mentioned that like <clears throat> it don't matter where you're from a small town, big town, whatever. That's that it's that war warriors mentality i guess or that old school mentality where if you talk about your feelings you're weak right but man be you have to be first off most people don't talk about those feelings because they're lying to themselves once you're honest with yourself then you're able to be honest with everyone else and it took and me that's a while not, to and realize that's not that. a weakness that's yeah. a strength but it's a weakness to most people because for centuries being a man's man and hiding your emotions was what you were supposed to do because you were supposed to be the strength in the relationship. But, hell, a lot of times the women were the strength of the relationship, you know what I mean? For Not sure. the men. They were just out there working, you know. So it's, yeah. been a, it's an interesting transition for us to be um, in a society now where you're able to um, transition and be able to be honest with yourself and have conversations with a, an unbiased opinion is what I always tell people because, like, if you're going to family and friends who know you, a lot of times they're not going to tell you what you, what you need to hear because they may hurt your feelings or because, the, you know, they know you're worried about what someone else thinks. But whenever you go to speak to someone who has an unbiased opinion, who knows nothing about you, and you're just laying out the facts, then they're able to, you know, find a better solution, too. For sure. Yeah, and not only that, but it just goes back to um, 
you know, trying to, I was just trying to, I had family and different people that I was trying to take care of instead of yeah. instilling, you know, uh, protecting myself. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you string yourself out for other people, you don't. A lot of times you don't have anything left. No man, you got to work on yourself first, and that's a lot. Of, that's yeah. where you see that happen a lot. Where it's like someone's doing something for everyone, but if they're not doing something for themselves, it's going to eventually burn out, or they're going to turn to some kind of relief whether it's alcohol or something else you know right. what I mean and that's I mean hell I drink but you know sparingly now but I remember there was a time where I was doing it three or four you know nights a week and um you know that's that's a little much you know when it's uh multiple shots and drinks not just oh, yeah. you know not just a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey here and there so I mean you know it's it's definitely interesting and in, you know spending time in that environment and then coming out of it you know it's just it's cool to hear you know and like I said no disrespect for people that do have that right. business or do enjoy doing that but it's like if you want other things you got to kind of pick and choose what the priority is going to be right and what i realized out of all of it is if i'm sitting there focused on myself and trying to escape and that's the whole thing is if you'll if you'll you know do for others and 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 you know like we do this uh laundry love and uh it's just uh i saw that yeah so it's we just go to we just go to laundromats and pay for people's laundry (laughs) that simple no strings attached And it, it it will blow your mind how it makes other people feel, and it just takes you know, that's what it when you love on others with with, with total strangers, mm-hmm. that's when the magic happens. And like we're in this new market over there in Monroe, trying to make it work, and so we're almost like making it about ourselves, like buy us this, this, and that. Yeah. And so last week I told them I was like, time out, let's just go do laundry love, and they're looking at me like, what in the world? And so I'm like, let's just go do it real quick. And it just kind of sharpens the saw. And, man, everybody, it blew. Like one lady just said, you know, I can now I can buy my kids' shoes this week. Another one was like, hey, can I go get my um, – can I go get my bed sheets? I haven't washed them in a year. And, I mean, just to – it was like you gave them a million dollars. It was just this – so deep happiness that come out because bed sheets are do make you happy. Yeah. Clean bed sheets, yeah. <laughs> but it's the small. We don't. We take all that for granted. We do. I mean, we're, we're spoiled, man. Yeah. We're spoiled. Uh, we do take all those things for granted. And doing something, it's um, over the years I've seen that too, man. Doing those small things for people that you um, don't realize are a big deal. Or if you have something you're going to throw away, give it to somebody. Right. You know what I mean? There's somebody that needs it. Exactly. Well, the Honduras thing, so you've been there uh, and y'all went and drilled water wells. That's so pretty interesting. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we've done four. I've done four uh, water wells, and then I've also been to Haiti. Okay. But the first the first uh, international mission trip was um, drilling a water well in Honduras, and it was with uh, Living Water. And so... Our church went, but Living Water kind of hosts it. And then there's a group uh, down there, Aqua Viva, that works for Living Water. And they pick us up at the airport. There's a three-hour drive. Then we spend the night, go to church with them the next day, which is um, an adventure within itself. Then we drive. And, uh, you know, Honduras is uh, it's part of uh, Roatan, but this is the Honduras that – it's in it's a third world country right. and I'm talking about we're driving down into the projects mm-hmm. and so I go down there and I'm so worried but when I get there and the van that they were hauling us in actually broke down so we had to ride in the back of a truck mm-hmm. 
And if you want street cred from the locals, right in the back of the truck, they loved it, seeing <laughs> us in the back of the truck. But there was this calm, just overwhelming feeling that came over me um, that this was what I was supposed to be doing and it's the right thing. And so then we go down there and we create these relationships with the people that we're drilling with. Right. And so then we go back year after year. I think our church has been ten times. I've been four. But now, like, Dennis and Emilio and all those guys, they're like family. And so the last two years ago or last year, Living Water pulled out of North Honduras, Northern Honduras, and went to Southern Honduras. And so that's leaving. And you can't just find jobs down there. There's mm-hmm. almost, It's almost none. And so, so now you've got our people that we've got this – unbelievable relationship with that can't wait to see us again and they man they're just they know you know you think that we have problems but when you go down there you know it just you go down there to help them but they help you yeah and so now all of a sudden they're in a bind so when i come back i'm racking my brain like there's something we got to do so then i talked to dennis and he's like well hey I like the, what you're saying. Talk to Julie. So I call this Julie lady that I've never met in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And she is, don't know how, but she is starting her own, it's called Honduras Well Projects, that's going to take the place of living water in that region so they can still do their thing because there's still a lot of uh, needs to be met with water. Mm-hmm. And so. I mean, even though with COVID and everything else, they've managed to get uh, trucks, uh, little small rigs and different things. And uh, we're trying to get down there in a couple of weeks to drill the first well with them. That's awesome. But um, th- that's been – and it's been tough with um, – and then they just got nailed with two hurricanes. Yeah, they were that. huge. And that's another thing, man. We don't get to hear about those things. You know, right. it's like all this bullshit politic talk 24-7 and negativity and – um. There's, like, not enough exposure for being able to, to reach out and help causes like that. I you know agree. I mean? And that's something that – well, so tell me about the culture there. Um, you met the people that you work with, but what about, like, the the, the actual so it's, know, citizens? Man, and, the, man, the people are so beautiful, and usually where we drill is either at a church or in, in a community. So the first time I did it, it was in a community, and you do this – just you drill – only about a hundred feet. There's wonderful water right there, and then we, but well, we do everything from the ditch to drilling it to hitting rock to having problems to busting lines. And there's not part stores down there, <laughs> and um, then getting done. And uh, it's a hand pump that they can that's easily maintenance. And so we, you know, we did it there, and then we did a church. And uh, and then this, uh, one of the times, I think the third time, we did a school. And my my wife went with me the third and fourth time. And that school, the, with the kids, and they'd come out. When they'd come out, we'd stop and play yeah. soccer and different stuff with them. And, man, it's just um, – it's it's – it's to me it's better than a leisure trip because i've been to um to london and paris but man when you go down there and you actually um do it with your own hands drilling these uh water wells the love they give you they cook for you they love on you and even if you can't even if we can't speak the same language um oh and this last time we went uh it was a community and we're sitting there 
And the guy is sitting by us, and he's like, where are y'all from? And he's, he can speak English. And I said, uh, Louisiana. He's like, where at in Louisiana? And I said, Shreveport. And he's yeah. like, ah, you already drive. And I'm like, <laughs> how in the world? He lived up here. And okay. his son and, and grandson is here. Okay. And um, so it was like this big – and then they would do like desserts uh burritos and different things and it was almost like a like a like you would have a barbecue here yeah. um and it's just it's so special and then you go down you have to go haul water the drilling water that you use to drill with from the creek and so you ride in the you know back of the trucks and fill them up and uh anyway i'm just passionate about it yeah. and then we went to haiti and we passed out two thousand chickens there and I, I would be hard pressed to find a, a, a more impoverished place than Haiti. It is awful. Like skyscrapers of trash and uh, hogs hitting it in the cities. And uh, I mean, just it, it's. But yet, I love the people there too. And um, we have this town that we sponsor. It's called Bousquet, and it's on the lower uh, Crab Claw. And they got hit by a hurricane, and so they have. The, all their houses got destroyed, and they basically just have, like, Samaritan purse tarps mm-hmm. that they're living out of. Um, and so we went and just talked to them about, like, building an economy and, like, uh, you know, uh, keep a few eggs but then sell some. And then somebody have eggs, somebody do this, somebody right. do that mechanic. Mm-hmm. And we just try to um, talk to them about that. And, you know, COVID's uh, stopped all the traveling for now, but... We I hope to get back on the plane and and get down there soon. Oh, and in in Haiti we got to sponsor our kids as we met them. Okay. So instead of just like in the mail or something, when we met kids, we I, so I've still got three yeah. that um that I've been sponsored for two and a half years. But you meet them, talk to them, and then you sponsor them, and so it's super special. Yeah, I mean it means a lot more than just giving money to an organization you don't know where it's going. For to. sure, and they're writing you and talking about things yeah. we did. And well, so it's funny the language barrier, like you said, like they. Gratitude has no dialect, basically. Like they're, if you're doing something, it's easy to tell. You don't need to talk about it, you know. But like, what is the reason? Because I'm not educated on this. What's the reasoning of the the water shortage there? And you know, why is that not something they can do? And, and I mean, it's great we're relieving them, but like, what's the well? So how's that work? So it, it you know, I, I don't want to get. I, there's all kind of speculations, but it's just different ran governments okay. and different things. But um, because you can see a hustling spirit right. in the Hondurans, uh, they love to, uh, you know, um, trade and um, barter and all that stuff. Right. They they're they're true entrepreneurs. You can tell, but it's just the resources aren't there. Gotcha. And um, so, like, but it's getting better. I mean, you can tell. But this last time that hurricane hit, the airport that we fly into was completely under. And so they were trying to fly us into another airport, uh, but I think they're getting it cleaned up. I was going to go down there and clean up the airport. Uh, yeah. That would have been a cool job, but the people that work there, they have them do it, yeah. and the military. Okay. Um, but Well, I mean, this is interesting because as you have those, you know, those are impoverished countries, and it's like they, they're they constantly dealing with horrible weather and, you know, not having the, you know, 
anything to work with or anything like that so it's an uphill battle right you know so any way we can contribute that's awesome i mean i um i saw that image yesterday whenever i was pulling up getting ready to get this podcast uh, marketed and i was like man okay i know he's been drilling some water wells i want to hear about that that's, yeah that's awesome yeah and that was the first trip i saw my beard um <laughs> and that was the old school because i was putting carpet cleaning before yeah, restoration i knew it was a little, and, a little aged photo but yeah. i was like it'll be all right <laughs> oh for sure um no I, I hadn't seen that in a long time and it just it uh and and then pat who was holding that pipe with me uh-huh. i saw him for the first time in a year we went to on every trip together uh, I saw him yesterday, and we were talking about all those good times. But um, yeah, that was a that was a drill pipe, and you just it, we were probably either putting them on or taking them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some throwback right there. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, that's um, that's interesting because you know a lot of people. I mean, all, all of us. You know, we don't we take everything for granted, and until you have that you know that firsthand experience and encounter with that you're not gonna yeah you can say you can say what you want all day long and i call it my reset i mean when i when you go down there um it's just it completely resets me and so it really hit me hard um, because i didn't get to go last year Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't look like we're going to get to go this time either because of the restrictions and quarantines and different Mm -hmm. things uh with flying and it, I'm telling you, I mean, and everybody, you know, the biggest thing is when you tell somebody that, well, why don't you do stuff here? We do. We do. Uh, yeah, we course. do stuff for the kids um, so, called Samaritan's Feet, where we give them shoes and wash their feet and the laundry and different things. But there's something super special about um, because they're literally having to walk two to three miles um, to get creek water. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they get back, they can't be in school. The water is not good. Mm-hmm. And so it all starts with hygiene, health, and then leads to education. Once you drill those wells, which we've got them at schools and churches down there now, then they can be in school. They don't have to go get water for their family. That, it's just amazing. Well, how does that, um, just because you got you sparked my interest here, and I want to give some more context on that. So how does that, how does that distribution work? Like, So if you drill one well... How long will that last, and how much are they able to get? Yeah, so so these these things they have a huge water table, and I, I don't even know if that's correct scientific word, but it's all around seventy feet. It's not deep at okay. all, and so they just have little trailer rigs that we drill. So and the the wells last a long time. Okay. The only problem is when this these last storms hit, it got it flooded and so it ran water in there and so they need to be reworked so we need to there's a right now there's a huge maintenance need of going Mm -hmm. down there and reworking you know cleaning these flushing these wells out but they'll take their um their buckets and um man it it's just you saying that's insane like if if you're listening right now or watching like you (laughs) they're taking buckets to a well that's centrally located in their community and filling that up and that's what they have to use to what bathe with and that's changing their life yeah yeah um everything cook cook with um because the the rivers that they get it out of is it's like going to dip it out of the red river and having to drink that and stuff and then like in like in uh haiti the first time justin went they had he was drinking out the there was a kid drinking out of a motor 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 oil can hydraulic fluid can Man. and so then 
we get with Barksdale, and they everybody donates like 2,000 watering cans. And instead of taking clothes, we took these watering cans and distributed them out. And then we found that little boy and got him a watering awesome. can. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was nuts. Yeah, mo- hydraulic fluid. Yeah. Damn, uh, so um yeah and it's 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 2021 yeah. and people are still they don't have and you you're know over here crying about your damn starbucks that got messed up this right. morning <laughs> like you kidding me exactly well, it's funny that you said that because i heard someone um crying the other day because they couldn't go to um cozumel or some shit and i'm just like you're looking forward to going somewhere where you're actually doing something you know productive and helping people and someone's over here, and you're upset because you can't do that right, right now. And then we have people over here that are crying because they can't go lay on the beach and, you know, pay for food and alcohol all weekend long. You know right. what I mean? Which, nothing, nothing wrong with getting away, but, I mean, it's just a, it's well, a, I just a still, different mindset. Yeah, I just, I'm still thankful for, like, you know, we, we have such a great system, even with, like, airplanes that everybody takes for granted. When we were coming back, and we got there. There was a in Dallas. We had to spend the night, and we were supposed to be home that night. And then we were like, "Well, we're in a car because it's only two and a half hours. We couldn't rent a car. We couldn't do anything." And so we had to stay there that night. And everybody's like, "Oh, I bet you were so mad." I'm like, "Not really. The plane was broke down, and they found it. Yeah. I'm so glad they found it on the ground and not in the air. Exactly. You know, and just little small things like that that we just need to not take for granted and be thankful for." Man, I agree. I think that um, you know, we have. We have so much going on, but at the end of the day, it's 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 minuscule compared to you know no matter what it we is. We call them first world problems. Of course, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what they are. They're not real problems. And you're 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 dealing with third world problems. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's real right. shit. You know, that's crazy. Well, so how does that uh, perspective come back when you come back? Okay, say you just recovered from alcoholism. You went on that first trip. You cl- you, you said you got some clarity. Um, you come back and bring that back home. Um, how do you, I guess, how do you disperse that energy among Well, you know, people? at first, anybody, all my fellow uh, homies out there that's quit drinking, the the big question is, what am I going to do? Yeah. I mean, and that's one of my partners that uh, I drank whiskey with. That's what he asked me. What yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> um, but you find, I mean, now, then you're thinking, man, all that time I wasted, yeah, you know, drinking. A lot of time, but, a lot of money, man. I wish so, I had all that back. And you, you had mentioned that you wanted me to mention something about my car. Uh, yeah, we talk about that. Yeah, we gotta get into that real quick. Yeah, so the problem is, you know, I flew under the radar. I'm doing all this mission work, selfless stuff. Well, I had a dream since I was 13 in a small little town. Uh, I, I got Lowrider magazine, fell in love with it, fell in love with the Majestics out in L.A., and it was just something about it. And so, of course, I couldn't afford one, so I had a Lowrider bike, only guy in town in Spring Hill <laughs> that had a gold Schwinn. Country white boy. For sure. And, I mean, you, you know, but it was amazing the cultures you could bring together just by, you know, doing something outside the box. So fast forward to me being 40 and going through a midlife crisis. Uh, I told Sarah, I'm like, I'm, I think I'm ready to go out. She's like, hey, uh, I'm tired of hearing about it, and you deserve it. Go out there, you know. So I went to – so I met this guy named Long Beach Lloyd on Instagram, and I started following him, and I, I was like, man, I need to come out there and cruise. And he's like, anytime. And I'm like, really? So long story short, I went out there, and he – he, he buys and sells lowriders. Yeah. And his two were too nice. And so, but he was selflessly like showing me all these. And I, I spent like five days out there. Well, when I realized that it was going to cost more to uh, build one myself, mm-hmm. then I actually bought one from him. 
and uh, we've been close friends. But then bringing it home, it, it like goes against everything. So now I've got this flashy car. Yeah. And now I'm seeing people that don't like me because they're kind of jealous right. of me. And you, you hear the 90s rappers always talking about haters. Yeah. And I'm seeing it firsthand, yeah. and it's it's hard for me. And then I'm thinking I'm selfish because I've got it, because it is mm-hmm. pretty over the top. Um, and so I have to read it. But it taught me so much. And, you know, the main reason I got it is because that's what I love results and what I do. And so I love to polish on it and different things and and transition it. And I love having my own little car social page because that's what other people do. And it's just like this own world. But I've had to get used to, you know, when I got it, then I wanted to sell it because I didn't didn't want it to be like all eyes on me kind of thing. But then I just had to embrace all of it. It's your passion, man. It is, but at the same time, it, it sends mixed messages to people but then they're getting messages that i'm not really sending yeah you know exactly. so yeah they're judging and no, so it's, it's this whole things. different it's one of those things man at this point i feel like at this point in your life and everything you've done already and still so much more to do that you don't need to worry about what everyone's thinking but anymore. i was you know determined I, mean? I was going to find a way to serve with it and like when me and justin ride in it is you bring smiles because there's not any low riders around shreveport man and the little kids every time they ask me to hit the switch i'm gonna hit it uh and it it, it just brightens people's day so what, that, you know was that impala 63 63 impala cool. yeah and you guys y'all I, well, uh, there'll be some links up you can see it but it's, it's, it's pretty nice yeah and now i've got a 58 impala and it's all original and my my grandpa started selling uh chevrolets in 58 so i named it kelsey after him and it's it's the first year they made impalas but that's my thing from 58 to 64 um hopefully one day i want one in each year yeah but that's the sweet spot for me i, mean, I think uh i'm a i'm a car guy i grew up i thought i wanted to be a mechanic until i got into that right after high school in between my oil field stint or right before my oil field stint i guess in between pipeline and and, and drilling yeah. um and i got to do it and realized that there wasn't much money in the mechanic business <laughs> oh for I, sure so now it's like i like i enjoy building them flipping them <laughs> buying them you know messing with them but that's one of those things man i mean what i feel like you can do as much as you want for everyone else but you still got to give yourself a for sure and the most special thing about it is brought i mean my me and my dad were close anyway but he loves the old cars and so when we go to shows and he he just like kind of takes over and it's it's been super special uh for us to to do that um that that it just brought us that much closer and you're you've done some you've been able to do some like distribution and something like for the community right and y'all do something with the car yes so we were doing the it was a food box distribution uh and we my family just we it was three different spots and so uh we just got in the uh impala and rode around and my wife said she was because impalas don't have any shock i mean the the hydraulics don't have any shock so she said she almost threw up when we got home (laughs) but we had a big time with it and uh of course when you're delivering boxes you need to hit three-wheel motion you know oh yeah Man, that's uh, that's got to be interesting to see. Yeah, I was I was really surprised. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because we we got into a hole there talking about something else. But um, when I saw you pop up, and I was like, look at this dude, <laughs> look at this dude posted up in a lowrider group and hanging out. And I was like, man, that's crazy. But I mean, it's cool to be able to um, talk about something you're passionate about. People don't know, you know, because there's a lot of things we are almost self conscious about. We don't want to share with people because we may be worried about what other people right. think, you know. So that's cool too, and and that's something like. 
I mean, man, you got to treat yourself too. You yeah, know? and then when people come, like um, I, I went to Fort Worth for an event a couple weeks ago, and then we somebody asked if they could take pictures downtown, and uh, uh, you know, we hooked all that up. They there would be there's people that come from all over that you know they just walk up and it, you know they think oh can you know they don't even think I'll let them take a picture I let them sit in it whatever they need to do um, just because I was the same way when we were in high school that was the thing luckily it didn't change and it, uh, I had thirty years to get one yeah. but it was like California it was all happening in California and you couldn't touch it out there get, you know yeah. in a small town it was just happening out there but I never the first low ride. I ever saw or wrote in was uh, with Lloyd when I went out there. Mm-hmm. I've always seen him in magazines, and then Sarah's got me like some old lowrider magazines for Christmas, yeah. uh, and just to open them up. But that was before the internet. That was the way I bought my wheels for my truck. Yeah. I bought my bicycle out of there. <laughs> Even like uh, Harbor Freight had some old tool pages. That's how they sold tools, yeah. and it is just like. And then the internet hit. And- well, it's nostalgic, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I haven't, I haven't even. Uh, uh, yeah, I gotta come check it out. Yeah, for sure. Yet, but I've never it will even, blow your mind. I've never even. If you It'll haven't been you in that, if you haven't been in that culture, um, which is mainly West Coast, um, yeah, you don't really get to see that in person. That's a whole other culture. Well, the car industry itself and people like classic cars, and then lowriders, a whole other you know piece of that. It's um it's something it's, it's nostalgic but it's like family it's a community oh for sure I, we had a chance to participate I judged a car show um a couple months back and I didn't realize how broad that community is you know and how people come from all over the states to one central area just to show their vehicle off you oh, know yeah it's pretty cool yeah and so California is the big scene and of course there's New Mexico and Arizona but you know other than California the biggest scene is Japan. Really? Yeah, for and that, the, for low riders, and that. it's all American muscle Chevrolets, fifty uh, nines. Yeah, yeah, no man, okay. and they even got the Compton hats and everything. Nice, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, look, dude, we're we're over an hour now, I think, but um, we're gonna have to do another one for sure. We're gonna have to do another one, man, because we got so much more to talk about. But I appreciate you coming on oh, today, man. Oh, for sure, man. It was it, fun. It was I was kind of reluctant because <laughs> I, I do go down rabbit holes, but oh, man, you chased good. me right down it's, with me. So good, appreciate man. it. Is there anything, um, any final call, uh, final thoughts you have or anything you may want to plug before we get done here? No, I'm good. You got um, any words of inspiration? Anybody struggling with something? Maybe it's like, maybe it's a drink or maybe it's, you know, finding their, you know. Yeah, man. Um, my, my thing would just be, you know, it's not about me, and it's not it's not really about you. When you make it about you or yourself, then then it's you know you're just endless hole of you know self pity and things. But you know, we all have something to live for, or something to love on, or somebody needs us. And when you focus on that, uh, that's when the magic happens. And it's not really the, our whole theme at church is it's not about us or not about ourselves. It's about serving somebody else, and we do that with our business too. And it's amazing how far it's taken us. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. I, I mean, because you, I mean, religion's a crazy thing. Because people get in, a, you know, in, in the. I'm side not a fan here. of religion. Well, you know, people get inside over here where you have to push this on someone and this, this, and that. But what I like about what you guys are doing is that it's all about helping someone, and you don't have to get wrapped up in that one verse or sermon. Period. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is, um, you know, organized religion is is its own battle and its own like when I you know sometimes when I grew up it was like a fraternity or different things yeah. but it's all about 
just you know outside the box that's why the the place i go will never have a church because when you have that building or something you you seem to focus on that it's all about missions and loving on people the least of these and reaching out and when you do that it's it's not the gift's not on them it's on you yeah i agree man well thanks for coming on today no doubt shut it down with that enjoyed it put putman everyone please subscribe to the podcast